There we go. What unifies us? Being mission-minded. We've been talking about this idea of unity and togetherness. We've been talking about it since the beginning of the year, and I think that's a wonderful word for us. Now more than ever, now more than ever, we need this word together because nothing is going to happen separately. Nothing in power is going to happen separately. He desires that we be together. But we don't just be together and just saying, I love the church, you know, you're my friends. And he's like, but what, first of all, we're under the banner of Jesus. So first of all, we're being Christ-minded, knowing what, wanting what he wants, thinking about his thoughts and desiring what he wants. We do what he says. He's the head of the body. Um, so if I miss anything, by the way, your notes, my, my, my software has been very fickle this week. So I've got paper and I've got software. So we'll see. Like, Lord willing, this is all going to work well. Uh, but he, yeah, that's the idea. So I don't know if I got here. Okay. Yes. Being Christ minded. He is the head of the body. We want to be by him being others minded. We prefer one another. We serve one another. That's through humility, thoughtfulness, generosity, a culture of honor, preferring one another, being servant hearted, compassionate. Have any of these been challenging so far to you to trust Jesus and whatever he decides to do and like walk in that? Is that hard? Would you say that's easy for you to do? Or is that a little tough sometimes. There's, there's those days you're like, I don't know. Jesus, what are you doing here? I don't know. <laughs> I know that we're all have had those moments. You're going to have it. You're going to have those moments of, God, what are you doing here? I don't understand, but I want to. It's okay to ask God those questions. As long as you're dialoguing with him about it. Being others-minded. Do you guys find it easy to prefer one another? To be thoughtful of one another? To be generous? Is that easy? Who finds that easy? Raise your hand. I thought so. <laughs> well, some of us, no, it, it, but it's a lifelong time of like when it was hard, it wasn't easy then. Like you've grown into that. Or like how have you felt like you've grown in that, Joyce? Not picking on you. Yeah. That's good. And knowing like what, what you've given, like what you have is just such a treasure and to be able to give that, to steward that well. And, and at some points it was just time. Maybe it was just, it was just those little things, but like, and that's a good reminder. Like it's not just as, you know, it's not just financial. It's, it's man. Wow. When I have time and the things I can offer, I'm like, praise God. I have more. I want to give out of the abundance of my heart. I want to, I want that flow. I don't want to just be like, well, you know, because I have that, I've heard that heart posture like, oh, when I get this big job, then I'll start giving. I'm like, I'm still waiting for that to happen. Um, for some people, I'm like, Lord, what happened when they said they would do these things? You know, I want to see that. I'm not picking on them, but I'm just like, why do we wait so often, so long to be just, even just servant-hearted and serving one another? That's something that's easy. We can serve one another. Anyway, I'm not gonna get, I, we've talked about last week. I hope that was a good discussion for you guys and just... And don't move away from this, but just take this, accumulate this, because some of these things, this humility, this thoughtfulness, generosity, culture of honor, being servant-hearted, compassionate, these will bleed, actually, because it's all, it's also, it's a trickle-down, right? Like we talked about the unity. Actually, this is the first week that I, I forgot to put my psalm in there. We were talking about the psalm, and I wish I had it. Oh, was it Psalm 30, 133? I'm going to read it, so... Because I, I really love that we've been reading that. So I'm going to re- at least read it over you guys. And, you know, hopefully my technology doesn't li- dislike me today. Um, we're, get, we're getting there. 
I really just want to emphatically keep pushing this because this is the idea. It trickles down. It comes from trusting Jesus as the head of the, our, our lives, who he is, what we do, is we, what, what we, do, we do what he says. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Psalm 133. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me of that. I want to be about that. It's trickle down. So we don't do it out of alignment. We, it, we can't be mission-minded if we don't trust what God's doing in our lives. We can't love God and then do mission-minded but forget one another and loving one another. So it, we can't just be about one and then the other. We have to be in alignment. So being mission, being on mission brings us together. We forget the disagreements and the petty things that usually easily, used to easily divide us, and we focus on the great harvest that stands before us. And to sum it up all, love me with all your heart. This is it. Love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's being Christ-minded. Love one another. That's a command. These are all commands from God. And then go into all the world and make disciples. Be mission-minded. These are the God's commands. So we're going to do it. And it, and this and summarizing this like and I talked about this before you, I've talked about my trip to Haiti when it was I think 2011 like when the the earthquake happened it was it 2011 2010 I can't remember but anyway there's a I mean you guys remember the great earthquake lots of loss loss of lives and and somehow the Lord got me down there it was a crazy story I still don't know how I got there um, I just don't understand how God could do the things that He does but that's the way He works so praise God for that but I was able to work with a lot of different churches. Some were Catholic, some were charismatic, some were very, you know, Baptist, all sorts, all sorts. But what I saw is when we sat around the dinner table, when we were talking about Jesus, we were doing, working in the field together, we didn't bring that up. Not once did you really feel like, once we kind of realized that was what was going on, we're like, who cares? You know, it just kind of, that got left to the background. It's like, who cares? Who cares where you feel about, you know, dancing or no dancing or crossing yourselves or not crossing yourselves or just the things that seemed important didn't seem as important. We still worked together and we functioned well and we saw the banner of Jesus be lifted high and not our own church banners. It was so beautiful. And the reason why I'm bringing up all these things, these three things, it's about this model up in and out. I think you might've heard me say it before. Have you heard me say it before up in and out? Maybe you haven't. Okay. Well, if you get around me longer, you'll hear me say it a bunch. We need to be in, in alignment. I don't want to say balance because balance you can quickly get out of line, but we're about alignment. When you see that in your spine, you think about your spine. For those, some of your spine's hurting right now. Like you're like, when you, your back gets out of alignment, how painful is the rest of your body right now? Pretty painful. It's miserable. It's just miserable. But we're called to be in alignment, not in balance. Up. We're called to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. We are about what he wants, his ways, how he loves his character. We want him. We just want him. We want Jesus. We want to, that means we want our time for worship, our time in prayer and reading the word. I mean, probably focus more on the balance of it after this week, but I just want to touch on it real quick. In, being inward, we need to be spurring one another on. Let's see here. Call to spur one another on, to love, to love one another, to see the value in one another, to call each other higher. That's spurring one another. That's why we meet. This is the, the gatherings, the ladies' group. When we go to life group, that's why we meet. Like all these things come in 
Those are the times that we spend in. But we're also spending time gazing up. But here's the reality. I don't want us to be ever out of this part here. Out. Out. Let me tell you, this is, this is the scary one. This is where I feel like where it gets uncomfortable. It quickly becomes, do I really believe that God has called me to do these things, to go out and make disciples? But God commanded us out. We are called to outward to fulfill the great commission, to seek the lost, to revive the saved, and to train them all. The great commission isn't just haphazardly throwing seeds, but laboring in the field. That doesn't mean you have to take the whole field, right? Have you ever, uh, has anybody ever worked in a field before? Like, I know a few of you have. It's, it's daunting sometimes if you're, especially if you're doing planting seeds by hand and you're moving along a row. Have you ever done that? I know some of you have. It's miserable and it's exhausting. And if you start looking at the whole field, you start panicking. You're like, nope, it's one seed, one seed. And you don't just go, you go, you you, you put in the right spot. You have a certain spot in a certain way, in a certain depth. There has to be done, and it's very intentional. Because if you do close too close to each other, you're, you're going to have problems later. You want to do it right. You want to do it intentionally. Now, does that mean all of them are going to take off and grow? No. But you did the part. You did the intentionality. So we're called to be outward, not haphazard, intentional. So... And why do we do this? Because in Mark 16, 15, Jesus is talking to the disciples. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. It's pretty simple. And then he further emphasizes it before he goes back to be with his father. He says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our calling. Some of us like to see that little part, go and baptize them. Like it's got to be about a certain uh, degree of person, a certain leadership of person. I'm like, no, he's inviting us all to baptize, to be a part of that. Like I remember when Rich, long before he became a pastor, was baptizing somebody in a little pool and throwing water on them or something. You know, and that's... He's like, I hope this counts. And like, it did count. I believe it counts. Like, if God's, he sees the heart, and doesn't have to be full. I mean, it's it's nice if you can submit, you know, submerge somebody, but like, it still counts, right? It's like, but he was long before he became a pastor. And when I was with H two O, I loved the fact that people who got to disciple other people were able to baptize those people. That's amazing. Like, have you ever baptized anybody? I know one person. I was able to see that. That was a beautiful thing. But not very many of us can say we've baptized somebody. But that's it calling. It's the calling to invite, to make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything. He's calling us to do that. So we want to be in alignment with this whole idea. We want to be in a straight arrangement. It's an arrangement in a straight line or in correct, appropriate relative positions. So if you look at up in and out as a triangle and you see, you know, we're doing good with up. We're doing good within. We're a little bit awkward without. Or, you know, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe we're really terrible about being with each other. Or maybe we're terrible about spending time with Jesus. It's just kind of this flat, awkward triangle. You know, it doesn't look like a really quality good triangle, right? Um, I can make, okay, I can make an office joke, but I'm not going to. All right, moving on. 
The power of the trip pyramid. Okay. All right. There we go. I'm done. All right. Sorry. I got to do it once in a while. Um, but the reality is we really want to be about focus. We really want to be about in alignment. We want to be in alignment. Jesus said, first seek me. Then he said, love one another. And they said, go. So if not all of us are going, we're out of alignment. We want to be in alignment. That doesn't mean you have to do everything. And I'm going to further emphasize that. But first of all, let's just start from the basics, right? He says, see the field. I think he's just looking at it. He's like, okay, I want you to look at it. The harvest is what? Plentiful. Plentiful. If you don't believe me, I, if you were here when Johnny uh, was here, it was a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago with Cross Ministries, was sharing, shared a video, and I, I, just, I just felt so convicted in my heart. I felt convicted in my heart as I saw people's faces and, and all the things that they were going through. And, and it's just not third world countries. It's in our country. It's all over. There's such brokenness. There's such abandonment. There's so many people, so many needs, so much pain. And I thought, man, Lord, just how plentiful is that field? How plentiful? The, the, the need is great. If you ever need to look, like just look for a minute. Watch the, this, the need or the, you know, the news for a second just to see, not the, the political stuff, but look at the need, the desperate need for Jesus. And the reason why we look at the need, we look at the field is because Jesus did this. Matthew nine thirty five through 38, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. They're few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to go and send out workers into his harvest field. And I want to, I, he was stirred with compassion. Now, there's very few times you hear that from Jesus, like stirred with compassion. Like, you know, we, we see Jesus wept when he saw the movement of Mary's heart and realizing he, he loved Lazarus and he was, he was going to raise him from the dead. But he was moved in his heart because of, you know, Mary of, of Bethany. There's not very many times, though, you see Jesus like stirred in his heart, moved in his heart. I mean, just the same way you don't see him get very angry and toss a bunch of things out of a you know, temple. It was only happened once. But the reality is it, infer- it moved his heart to see the need, see the harvest. And the reality is he was about to, and this is parallel. This is the same time of reference. Luke 10, 1 through 2, is, it's the same time. Jesus appoints at that time 72 others. 72 others, and he sent them two by two to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's about to send out 72 people. And he's like, this is not enough. Ask for more, Lord. He's asking these 72, he's like, partner with me in prayer with this. Ask for more. This is not enough. And we're just about to go into villages, not the whole world. He said, ask for more. We need to be asking for more. But first, we need to see the need. We need to see the importance of why. Because if we don't look at the need, we don't look at the field, we don't look at the faces and realize they need Jesus so much right now. And not just saying, okay, as long as you get the, you know, the prayer of salvation, you're good enough. No, he's like, no, but go meet with them. 
bring them into the, the, the field, bring them into the family of Jesus, and not only that, but walk with them. Be willing to be a disciple maker. Be willing to walk with them and teach them. So not only do we see the field, we need to see the need. The workers are few. He's acknowledging the lack, the need, the desperate need. If you ever don't... Now, I need to premise this. God isn't a beggar. He's just not. But there is a need. That's why I don't beg for help for anything. I'm like, I don't want to beg. I want to, ask. I want, I want to invite. He invites us in. He is a God of invitation. He doesn't beg for anybody to be with him. He could do it all himself. And he sometimes does do things himself. But here's the reality. He wants us in on this. He's inviting us in. He's also inviting us to count the cost. See the need. Because on one part of his mouth, I love this. Jesus is inviting the disciples. You know, Matthew 4.19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. He's inviting them, right? But then, not very long afterwards, nine, Luke 9, 57, 61, he said, there's a few people that are like, like oh yeah, I, wanna, I will follow you wherever you go. I want to do it too. He said, well, I'm just letting you know, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You have been warned. You know, he's like not saying no, but he's warning them, count the cost. He said to another man that, you know, follow me. But that man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Sounds harsh, doesn't it? There's a reason why he's saying this, though. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? Sounds intense. He's like, man, he's laying down the gauntlet right now. But here's the thing. If you ever mowed your lawn and you constantly are looking back, how straight are your lines? Like, who, if you're hired, you're probably going to be fired soon afterwards for the quality of workmanship. Like, wow, what, you were looking back all the time. Like, and that's what we do. He's like, I don't want you to look back. Look forward. I'm not saying don't love your family, not saying don't say goodbye, but he's like, I see the motive of your heart. I'm not saying it's not the lip service you're giving to me. He's like, he's like, no, I'm inviting you. Go ahead. Like, it's not, he's not being a jerk. God is not being, Jesus is not being a jerk. He's saying, you know, you can't say goodbye to your family. You can't bury your dad. He's inviting. He's like, no, but here's the reality. What other excuses are you going to come with when it's hard? When it becomes really hard, when you hear about some family member, this, that, and the other, and you're like, well, I need to stop the mission now and go back. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done. He's like, no, I really want you to invite the co- count the cost. It's going to take a lot. It's not always going to be convenient, and it needs to happen. It's not going to be convenient. The mission is not convenient. The mission is intentional. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of sacrifice. Luke 14, 25 through 35, he's constantly reminding me. He's like, I'm not trying to be, he is so challenging. He is challenging me. He's asking him to calling him higher. They're not, he's not about convenience. He's like, I don't even have a home, okay? It's not going to be fun. We're going to be camping. Like, do you guys like camping? We're going to be camping a lot, all right? You know, like that's, I mean, obviously some of us were like, all right, you know, you said camping, I'm not going, <laughs> okay? You know, like that was, that was, that was the deal breaker for me. Um, but he's just like, no, I really want you to understand I want to invite you in, but it's going to be a challenge. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father... <laughs> I love this. Woo! 
He is just tough. Not, not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life. Such a person cannot be my disciple. What? Like, is that a real, like, like, could you imagine you're following this guy? Like, he's amazing. He's doing all these things. He's like, hey, by the way, if you don't like, hate your mom and dad, if you don't hate your wife, your, all these people in your life, you don't hate them, yet even your own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I'm like, uh, why is he asking these hard things of me? What? What? What's your deal? But he's like, no, here's the reality. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. You got to, in comparison to how much you pursue me, in comparison to how much you love me, it has to be look like you would give up your own life for me. It has to be look like carrying your cross. I'm inviting you to count the cost. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take everything. It isn't going to take some things. And I think that's something that I want to invite and remind myself in Christianity, it's not going to take some things. It's not going to take the things I'm comfortable with. It's going to take everything I'm comfortable with. It's going to take everything, a part of me that I like and value. It's going to take it all. Because when I give it all to Jesus, like my kids, I don't want to think about my kids and thinking about a lack of like, what if I don't do something? Or if I, if, you know, if I pass away and I'm like, I, it can't be about just me and how I can affect things. It has to be about giving them up to Jesus because they were his anyway. When I get my kids, they're his anyway, and he's just asking me to be a good steward. But I have to understand that even my own life is not my own. It's his. Suppose one of you builds, wants to build a tower or a house. Think about a house. If you guys ever wanted to build a house, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see what you ha- if you have enough money to complete it? Because it would be really tragic if you got halfway through your house and you're like, well, I'm out. Money's gone. (laughs) No, you would say, first, I'm going to evaluate and do an estimate, all right? I got to figure out if this is worth the cost. And then not only that, but like the way it's going to look, you start taking into everything it's going to cost and everything it's going to be. You want it to be worth it and you want to estimate to see if you have enough money. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. Like, really? You build half a house? Congratulations. You know, like, like, oh, they're going to give you a hard time. They're like, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish it. And he reminds again, or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. I'm not going to emphasize this with what's going on right now, but real, the reality is, like, and it's, I think it touches my heart even more. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way long way off, and he will ask him for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot, you have, everything you have, sorry, you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but it loses its saltiness. How can it be made salty again? He mentions this in Matthew 5, right? Or is it Matthew 5 or Matthew 6? I don't know. But he mentions, like, it's really important to realize that you are the salt of the earth. But if you lose your saltiness, what are you good for? It's fit for neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. It's worth than nothing. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. He is laying down the gauntlet. He's like, I'm not saying this is going to be fun, but I'm also not saying don't come. He's never saying don't come. He's like, I want you to understand if you're coming with me, it's going to cost everything. And the last point, so we have the three points. 
What is it again? You remember? First, we need to see the what? The field. The harvest is plentiful. So we need to see the field. What do we need to see the next? What's next? We need to see the need. We need to see the need. And last, we need to answer the call. Go. I am sending you out. Luke 10, 1 through 3. After this, the Lord, this is already in that same passage. He appointed the 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of them to every town and place where he was about to go. And he said, he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And he concludes with that. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. What a good invitation, right? <laughs> this is like the, probably one of the worst teachings and worst invitations ever. It's like, hey, by the way, I'm going to go out and send you out. But the reality is they went out. What happened? They came back pretty pumped. I wish I could. I, I was going to put that in there, but I was like, I don't want to have too much passage. But it's the reality is they go out and they said, you won't believe it. We cast out demons in your name and it worked. He's like, and he starts celebrating. He gets excited for them. He's like, and he gets the joy of Holy Spirit, like pumping in him. He's like, oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you have given the simple. You've given me the simple, not the ones who are, are seemed wise. He's like, you've given me these simple people who trust me and are willing to go out and they're willing to obey me. You've given them ears to hear. But here's the reality. That prayer Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. That was always a scary prayer for me. I don't know about you. Does that sound like a scary prayer to you? Or like, have you feel like, for me, okay, like, to give context, I didn't ever want to become a missionary, and I did not want to become a pastor. Here I am. Okay. I remember Michelle having that conversation with me. She's like, I would love to go and do missions. I was like, yeah, no, I don't, I just don't feel it. No, I just don't think so. And then I became a missionary for a while. Um, and then the Lord just, but he transformed my heart and he invited me into it. But the reality is I first had to say, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. That meant being a missionary for a while. And then I said, I don't know, like, Lord, I don't, it's going to have to be a door that opens because I'm not going to be a pastor anywhere. No, thank you. That's just not my calling. And then he's like, well, I got a door about to open. So you kind of better align with me, <laughs> you know? So the door opened. I'm like, okay, God, you're saying something. Because I'm not pursuing this. You're pursuing me. You're inviting me in. Now, does that mean it was going to be easy? No. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. I'm going to be stretched. And that was actually my first conversation with my dad. I said, Dad, I, was, I mean, praise God. He said, yes, because I would not be here otherwise. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to ask my dad. He'll be honest with me. He's a doctor. He, he could tell me, you know, he could tell me the honest truth. I said, Dad, do you think this would be even something that's even possible? He's like, are you going to need God? I said, yeah. He said, okay. Then I think you should do it. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, thanks, Dad. I was like, not the answer I was expecting. So that, that was nice. But it's just like of all the people, he's going to be honest with me and not hold, you know, he wants me to be built up and not torn down. And I love my dad for that. And he prayed for me and it was just a sweet time. But that's the reality. He's like, yes, you're going to need me and you're going to have to give up everything. And it's going to be worth it. But I remember I would hate asking that kind of prayer. I would hate to ask for the Lord of Harvest to send out workers. I would pray for God to do something powerful in such and such place. I would pray for the missionaries who are already doing a great job. 
I would always pray for them, but I wouldn't find myself, I wouldn't find me praying for God to send laborers because I was, I think I was deep down ex- nervous that he was actually going to ask me to do it. He was going to invite me. But when I started, when I shift my prayer to whatever he wants me to do, I remember that prayer. And actually I was looking at this ridiculous video I recorded of when I was being really emo and weird. Um, but I was praying this thing. I was just having an experiment with video stuff. I was just having, I was recording myself on a conversation with the Lord. And it was just really weird. But I was watching it. He's like, but it was that prayer of Isaiah 6, 8. Here I am, Lord, send me. That's a scary prayer. But guess what? You're in the hands of the Father. You're in the hands of the one that can do all things. Why are we worried? Why are we afraid of stepping out when he's the one that carries us? It's not us doing it. It's him. Whom shall I send? The voice of the Lord is asking us, whom shall I send? Who will go? Who will go? Here I am. That's our heart's cry. Here I am. Not here is, <laughs> here's my best friend. Go! You know, like that's what we like to say. Here's some great, go! You know, like I want to, I could tell him all day long, but when I'm saying, Lord, if you're calling me, and that, those are scary moments, but they're wonderful, holy moments too. When we say, Holy Spirit, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I'll go. And then whether it's a place you don't expect, like coming back to Dayton, which I did never expected to come back to Dayton, I will go. If I was, you know, I went out to Kansas City, I'll go wherever. And so far, he has not sent me into the nations. He sent me to this nation, and that's all right with me. But wherever he calls me to go, I will go. And I want that to be our, all of our hearts cry. I remind, remind us, God is not a beggar. He does not beg for our help. Remember, he talks to Job, he's like, I didn't need your opinions on anything. And Job's like, well, they're just having this big debate and how they all have their big wisdom with all the guys. And then God shows up and he's like, excuse me, I don't need you. I'm God on the throne. I never needed your wisdom to anything I created and anything I've ever done. I've never needed you, but I want you. I need, I want you to be a part of this and see the need. He's not a beggar, but he does ask us to count the cost. He does invite us in and it is worth it. Every time he lays down the challenge because it's going to cost you everything and it won't be easy, but you are necessary. I think that's important to realize you're necessary. You're a part of it. You're functional. You have a part of the body. You are necessary. Each one of you. Man, that challenge, Luke 14, 25 through 27. He's that last verse. Uh, let's see here if I got it right. Because I, I had issues with all my slides and everything. So, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. I want to carry my cross and give it up. I'm going to scooch on forward because I have... Oh, okay, there we go. There was, I was like, I know it's here somewhere. John 15, 8 through 17. This is the reality. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We don't want to look like the church, right? We want to be the church that bears fruit in season and out of season. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Those three commands that we've been talking about. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. 
I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Not as you would prefer, but as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. That verse right there, you are my friends if you do what I command. He's not manipulative. He's like, no, but like if you go and expect to do something and you're like, hey, you know, if you play basketball and you bring your football to the, the basketball game, you're not playing well with your friends, all right? You're, you're playing at your own game. You're doing your own thing. He's like, no, this is my, the rules of my game. This is the rules of how we work together. You've got to do what I command because this is what I command you to do, to love me, to love one another, and to go out and make disciples of all nations. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Whatever you ask in my, command, in my name, Whatever you ask, and that means, Lord, send workers into the harvest field. Whatever you ask, let's be praying that. Let's be asking the Lord that more and more. It may invite you, and that's my challenge. (laughs) This is my challenge. What areas is God asking you to step into? Like maybe you've been doing really good with one of them. But there's one other one. I'm, and I'm just going to emphasize, this is not just about doing one and neglect the other two. But this might be asking, God might be asking you to come into a place of prayer, praying for the workers to be sent. Now, this includes the missionaries we support, the outreach opportunities we lead out, and those that are in community that you know we're reaching out to, like families and friends and neighbors that also might be for yourself. You might be praying for yourself to be sent out. We, this means you can step out and say, Lord, I want to become a radical servant in the place of supporting one another, to encourage one another in many ways, like relationally, gathering together, spurring one another on, edifying each other, and, and say, yes, man, go for it. Keep going. Edify, encourage. You're doing good. Give you in prayer and in time of that. But also might be financially, giving generously, but also might be physically, like go out with them. Support whatever they're doing. Be physically available. Go out to an outreach. Support those who are serving to the least of these. And it might be in an area of leadership. I'm not saying we need to be leaders and have a title. I'm saying lead by example and invite others to join you. I'll tell you what, those people that inspire me are the people that are willing to go out and do something that is just hard to do. But it's fun to go along because it's like, man, yes. But also... How inspiring is it to you when you see people leading by example? Have you ever, I don't know if you've ever watched this. Like, there's, a, there's actually a video. It talks about the influence of people being consistent and stepping out into the place of uncomfortability. And it's actually at the musical festival. There's this ridiculous guy, and it's an awful dance, let me tell you. It's just ridiculous. If you watch this guy dancing at your, any party at a wedding, you're like, what is wrong with this guy, or what is this guy on? I don't know. That might also have been the problem. I don't know. But he kept dancing. He's by himself. 
And everyone else is kind of just staring and watching this guy. But after a while, two or three people like go up and for a while and one person goes away. But there's a few people that start hanging out with this guy and doing what he's doing. And they're looking ridiculous. They're not copying him. They're doing their own ridiculous dance. But eventually, it's 10 people running after the script. It's 20 people after the script. It becomes a mob. It's not even a joke. It's a mob. And you actually look like the uncool person for watching people join in with what's going on. You look like the loser sitting on the outside. And I'm not saying but we're, we're, we're not looking to make people losers, but we're, we're calling people to say, you know what, step out and be consistent. Now, if that guy gave up his ridiculous dancing, that party would not have happened. That big mosh, whatever was going on there, it would not have happened. But the guy stayed steady and steadfast and did whatever he was doing faithfully. <laughs> but wouldn't that be said of us, like going out looking a little foolish? Loving somebody well, foolishly, consistently, with the love of Christ. Stepping out, staying steadfast, not giving up, not when it's unpopular, not when it becomes popular, but keep going and seeing what happens. And when you do that and invite other people in, people are welcome to join that. And when you join that kind of culture where people are all doing this together, he's inspiring somebody. So maybe you're a leader in that way. Maybe you're inspiring people to come alongside you See, Jesus brought his disciples in. He didn't do it all by himself like a one-man band. He said, no, first of all, I'm going to send 72 out. I'm going to, you guys go ahead of me. He's having them do it with him, ahead of him, behind him. He's always letting them do this together. He is never doing it alone. So I want to invite us to, man, Lord, what are you asking me to step into? Am I doing great in prayer, but forgetting to support? Am I doing great in support, but forgetting to pray? Am I doing great in leadership, but forgetting whatever, like whatever area, whatever stretches you, not break you. I'm not asking for us to be broken, but I'm asking to be stretched. Because that's what he asked us to do. He did be stretched to give up it all. And so what he does and what he, how he invites, I want to invite as well. I want to say what it doesn't limit us to one area, but I believe we're called to all of them at some point. Now, if you lead by example, by being Jim behind there, doing all the things that we never know, and we missed you last week and realize, oh my goodness, Jim did this. <laughs> Jim did that. Jim did the slides. He did, like all the things he's leading by example in the quiet place. It doesn't mean having a title. It means do it in the secret place first. But I believe we're called to all of them, prayer and support, support and leading by example. I'm not asking you to break the bank, but stretch our faith, Okay. To ask the Lord, what next? What more do you have for us? So I just want to invite you to pray for a minute. We're just gonna—that's where I'm gonna leave it at. Like this is this is my.